You're listening to the Simple Growth Podcast, the show that helps business owners get their life back. Here's your host, Mike Callahan. All right. Welcome back to the SA Weekly Talk Show. Mike Callahan, our uh, co-host Cody Owen is out today um, being uh, co-hosted here with Bear Diplosa. Um, absolutely. Did I, did I hit it? Bear, was that, was that yeah, close? It's all good, man. Duplissy. Bear Duplissy. Duplissy. Just Duplissy. call me Bear. It works out that way. All right. Uh, Bear, if you haven't met him, is the, um, the co-host of the Profit Roadmap, uh, awesome podcast put on by SA. So if you haven't checked that out, uh, download that. I think we're 10,000 plus downloads now. So that's, uh, that's something to be seeing. A lot of knowledge there. Um, so Bear's going to be uh, co-hosting the uh, talk show for me today. Um, instead of Cody, and I uh, want to welcome Martha Woodward of Dusting Divas and QDS, or Quality Driven Software. Um, and Martha is actually one of our uh, first certified advisors with the Service Autopilot um, uh, Certified Advisor Program. So I want to welcome Mar- Martha. She's a ton of knowledge, owns a cleaning company in uh, Oklahoma. Is that correct, uh, Martha? That is correct. And a um, little background on Martha. We're going to kind of dive into it, and Bear's going to steer here. But uh, Martha has two different branches that she basically um, – it lives at least an hour away from each branch. So uh, a lot of knowledge to be uh, learned from Martha. So um, Martha, if you don't mind, if people have never met you, a um, little background on yourself, how you cut your te- teeth in the cleaning industry and uh, how that came about. And then we'll get into some live questions, Q&A. And uh, Bear in the uh, Lawn Care Millionaire Studio will be reading them off the screen and we'll uh, we'll go. Okay. Well, um, I knew nothing about cleaning. I just knew I liked to clean house. And I was tired of working for a chain hospital. My background's in healthcare. Uh, I ran a department for a number of years and I thought, well, I know how to supervise people. I'd never supervised um, service technicians. So I didn't really know the difference of what I was getting into. I mainly had supervised licensed like graduates and uh so I, I had to definitely change my management style um, the hard way. But, yeah, I just, I don't know, midlife crisis, whatever. I just decided that I wanted to open my own business. My dad had left the company and opened his business, and I think I had a little bit of that. I knew I liked to clean house. I knew I couldn't find anybody that uh, – and I wasn't going to say – I couldn't find anybody that did a good job. I didn't even care about that. I just wanted you to show up on the day that I had you scheduled. So I also did not understand our clients because when I had clients that started calling me about their pillows being turned the wrong way, I couldn't believe it. You know, I thought, are you really near crying about that? Cause that makes no sense to me. But anyway, through the years I've, I've decided I'm not our customer and get over it and just learn how to be, you know, serve our clients. And, and it's probably why quality driven came into place in somewhat, you know, in some form is to figure out, okay, what do these people want? Cause they're showing up. So what's the problem? So, so. you said midlife crisis, crisis, Martha. I mean, it got it. The question has to be asked. I mean, how far were you leaning towards the Lamborghini instead of starting your own business? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I don't think that even entered my mind. So, uh, yeah, you know, my poor husband, I, you know, I know he came home from work one day and I said, you know, I think I want to start a maid service. And I'm sure he was thinking, what the hell? What would, I mean, how do you go from physical therapy to I'm going to quit my 
well-paying job and open a maid service. But uh, I know my old boss thought I I like gave him four months notice or something. I thought I know he thought I'd never do it. But uh, anyway, I yeah, there's been a lot of peaks and valleys as there has been for everybody. And um, but I I still live in a small town in Kansas. My businesses are in Oklahoma. And so from early, early on, I had to figure out how to get these things that manage themselves. Um, man, in the early days, I used to drive 60 miles each way, sometimes twice a day to literally drop off laundry, pick up laundry, drop off printed work orders. It was before the day of mobiles. And um, yeah, it was, so I've put in my time and uh, now 10 years later uh, as my office staff, I just, I just got into the office at three o'clock and um, I'll, so I'll probably put in two hours this week, but I don't, um, I don't come in the office very much. Now that doesn't mean I don't work on the business, but I can do most of that remotely because I am now 90 miles away from my office. Wow. So, wow. so Martha, if you don't mind me asking, so if that's the case and what was, what was that transition point? What were, um, if, if one of our listeners is, is listening in, in the lawn care or the home cleaning industry, what were the steps that you took from, um, I, I guess with the original branch, um, going in and setting up a process or system or what did that look like to actually be able to, to take yourself away from the day-to-day in-person interactions in that business to kind of where you're at now? Was there a progression or is it something you did cold turkey? What, what did that look like? Well, so I would say it was around 75, 80 clients, which in the maid service world is way different than the lawn care world um, because our clients are paying us, you know, average ticket of 120 to 130 a visit. Um, but we don't have as many visits either. So, but yeah, I think I was around 75, 80 clients when I needed help. Um, and heck, my memory is not great. So maybe it was even less than that. Uh, but what I did is I had a staff member who had a background in doing some office work. She was cleaning for me. And so I, she wanted to get out of cleaning and wanted to get back into office work. So basically we set up an incentive program where, uh, okay, I'm going to give you I, 10 hours a week to start with. And then our clients, you know, we get up to this level of clients. I'm going to add 10 more hours a week. And we did it that way until we got her to 40 hours a week. And so that was a great way at least for me, it was a great way to move from not having any office help to having office help because, you know, she didn't end up being perfect for the position. We kind of outgrew her, but it was perfect in that I could scale it slowly. And I also could set incentives that she bought into. See, I've been doing incentives really from day one. And I could do incentives 
Did she buy into that she was vested in getting there because she wanted to get more and more time in the office. So that's how we scaled. And I just, you know, I'm a sinkers, you know, a sink or swim person. And so there were a lot of things that we went through the hard way, but um, I don't do a lot of handholding as my office staff, if they were around here would tell you, and I give you the fundamentals and then I'm going to let you screw up some. So you learn instead of me cradling you along the way and you're going to keep making those mistakes. I, you know, they dove in there. We worked it out. I said, Hmm, doesn't work that way. Does it? And then, you know, they learned. So that's how I got out. Awesome. So, Barry, I mean, and it's pretty, pretty similar to what you've seen in a lot of uh, the, the podcast um, episodes. Do you think this is something that uh, is common across the service industry or the sink or swim mentality? And I, I totally, I really like that uh, model myself, unless they're fluffing my pillows. And I have a particular way I like those pillows. But, you know, that, that's, a, that's a side story. But uh, yeah. I'm going to take that back because on technician level, we are very, very structured and very, um, we do not do sink or swim meth. Now, back in the day, I did do swing. When it was me training, yeah, we did sink or swim. <laughs> it was because I just didn't have time to do it all. I just did not. And um, but technician level, we're very structured, and I give very good training. Uh, well, not me, but somebody does, and uh, because. I hold them to those quality numbers and everything revolves around the quality numbers. So I do not feel like I can um, not do my fair part in giving them the knowledge. Now office is what I'm talking about. Sink or swim I mean, yes, we go over procedures, but there's a certain amount that I expect you to, you know, just know and pick up and do. So, yeah, I, I wasn't technicians we do not let them sink or swim. So I think I see a little bit of both across the board though. I mean, I think there is a lot more leeway in the office. Uh, as Martha kind of puts it, there's a little bit more like, Hey, you know, just kind of figure it out on your own. And, um, you know, I was told by, uh, by a college professor when I was in school now completely different field, but I think there's a lot of uh, similar grit when it comes to being a small business owner and sports broadcasting, sports broadcasting, uh, the field that I was, uh, going to school for. And one of my professors told me, he's like, if I have to take the time to show you how to do it, I could have done it myself. And that's a little cold and a little callous, but at the same time, there is something to that. And I think there's a lot of familiarity in that kind of with, especially with you two, you guys started your own business. You guys are small business owners. Our listeners are small, and our users are small business owners. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of that to it. And Again, that's where service autopilot and quality driven and simple growth can all come in and alleviate. There is a lot of that mentality in the small business owner uh, that I've seen um, constantly when I'm talking to leads, um, talking to prospects uh, and prospective members of service autopilot. Uh, they, I talk to people that literally do everything and there's not enough hours in the day and they're looking for a solution that'll help them with that. And the three systems that are represented here today I think prove uh, prove that that you know you can kind of get away from that. And, uh, and Martha's certainly developed some some fantastic uh, 
capabilities in order to uh, have success and, you know, take your hands off a little bit. Yeah, I, I really expect my office, but also my technicians, once they have the training, I do expect them to be very, very self-sufficient. I mean, literally, we could all be gone from the office for a week, and I feel like everything would run just fine because, I mean, we have expectations. They better get in and do it. You know, hand-holding is not, it's not something I do. So if somebody needs a lot of hand-holding and really isn't moving forward, progressing towards independence, then they're not going to make it here. So, and that's why I have all the checks and measures. So they basically know if they're making it or if they're not making it. But um, yeah, we, I expect even our technicians, once they have the training to be very self-sufficient. If you're so, calling a lot, I am questioning why. So, Martha, if, if you don't mind me asking then, obviously it sounds like there's a really structured um, onboarding process and quality process and expectations are set with checks and balances. Um, one of the biggest things we hear from, from SA members and all small business owners right now is the ability to go out and find and recruit um, quality employees, not even rock star employees, but somebody will even show up to an interview. Um, so would, would you mind kind of giving us uh, some perspective? It, before they actually get hired, is there a certain process of screening or vetting them to make sure that they fit within that culture and defined skill set that you're you're looking for? Because I think that uh, a lot of small business owners, including myself in the beginning, were tempted to hire the first person that came through the door with a pulse. And then once we got them into that system, they didn't fit that mold. Um, so do, is there any takeaways you can give us or some insights of how you actually go out to find and recruit that individual? Is it a constant um, recruitment? Is it a certain way you do it? Where are you looking for these employees? Um, is that something you might shed some light on? Sure. So uh, it's definitely constant recruitment that, you know, you really can never, never quit hiring because you never, you know, that's one thing I think I'm not good at a lot of things. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things I screw up, but one thing I'm pretty decent at is always thinking of plan B and C. So to me, I learned not early enough, but I did learn that you don't know what tomorrow brings and you better prepare for whatever. So I am constantly looking and, and my office staff would tell you that I'm literally like, how many people did you interview this week? And, you know, staying on top of that because it is, it's just human nature that when you're okay, you let up. But as soon as you let up, you're in trouble. And so, you know, that's a constant conversation. And again, sometimes I let them experience the pain of slacking and, you know, feeling comfortable and then, oh, now I have two or three slots I need to fill like tomorrow. Well, how many people have you been interviewing in the past weeks? You know, that's that's the thing. But so it starts with your ad is the way I feel about it. And um, I preached this in service autopilot before, but your ad cannot be, you know, uh, we need a service technician Monday through Friday, eight to five, must have driver's license, 
you know, clean work history, blah, 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 blah. You know, people, it is not going to excite anyone to, you're going to attract not the best person with that ad. So you have to first develop a culture that you're not lying when you sit there and put an ad out that says, hey, come work at our awesome environment because here's what we have to offer you. And so our ad is structured all about, you know, selling us as a place of employment, not saying this is what you have to give me. It's like, please apply. Here's what I have to offer you. And so that's the first step. And then like everybody else, you know, we get, we still get a bunch of crap applicants that, you know, I got fired for stealing on my last job. Uh, no. And uh, so anyway, we go through all those applications. We call quite a, well, at least 30% of them in for an interview. Um, we don't do a phone screen first. We used to, we don't anymore. We really screen them through the application itself on work history and the basics. And then we bring them in and then here's how we do it. It's a numbers game. And I cannot profess to you that I know how to hire the best people. Uh, Janice or Brenda know how to hire the best people. It's a crapshoot. People can interview well. I mean, we do the standard things when you're doing a, um, an interview where we ask a lot of situational questions. And, you know, sometimes that will help us weed out people. But I'll still tell you, I still hire people that then maybe two or three days later, we're firing. So they get through, but it's a numbers game. And I think the difference between me and a lot of people is once they've hired somebody, they feel like they're stuck with them. I do not feel like I'm stuck with them. In fact, my, my trainer knows that she's in big trouble. If uh, in big trouble is, well, I don't know what, but it's not that big a trouble, but still she knows I am not going to be happy if we hire somebody and she did not weed them out. And then they be, their problem, like from the get go. So back in the day, people used to get through training. We weren't near strict enough. Our requirements to get through training weren't nearly as strict as they needed to be. They get out of two weeks of training and then almost immediately they were getting all these complaints and so forth. And um, so that's when we backed up our program and looked at what is wrong with this program and why are they getting through? Because even at that time, I felt like I had a pretty decent training program and, and I did find some things and we changed them. Okay. Oh. That makes complete sense. It's almost like a three part process. We've got the pre-vetting, once you hire them, you're actually training them and in, in, in kind of trying out. And then you realize that the third process, once they became an employee, that we almost had to follow up and have those quality driven systems that you're using to ensure that they, they stuck with that. And I, I forget who it was, uh, but it was even insightful for me. Um, and I've seen a lot of stuff in the last 20, 24 years. Um, but at your quality driven software uh, conference in San Diego um, might have been Liz, but she mentioned how when she has a new recruit uh, for the first day or two, they actually uh, run them through 
um, scenarios that would basically throw the employee. And the first one, I think, if I remember right, was um, they would act as if they had to add a couple extra hours of the day because the other crew um, that they had out had a breakdown or a piece of equipment or something. So they'd actually, instead of working at five o'clock, they're working at seven o'clock at night. And then just to see how they had that emotional reaction. And I think she actually jerked it back and said, oh, well, they got done early and a couple jobs canceled. So we're done at 1 p.m. How do they react to that? Um, and then the third, third one that blew my mind, we've, we've kind of done that a little bit at, at Callahan's, but the, uh, the third one, I'm curious if you do anything like this, cause it's, it's a different ball game being inside someone's home versus being on the outside for land lawn care. So I, I can't, not that I don't love my employees, but I can't imagine all of them inside someone's house. Um, <laughs> we won't go there, but, um, I think they actually sent the, the cleaner, the new applicant upstairs to the master bedroom or whatever. And they plan, I think she set a $20 bill on the floor and it was some, certain protocol if you didn't pick it up or if you, there was a nightstand, you had to put it on the nightstand. And then basically they'd set them up to see if they were actually going to follow the process and procedure for finding loose cash on the floor. Um, do you have any things like that that you'd mind sharing the, that, that were good tells if they were going to make it past that two-week training period? Right. So attitude is really the biggest issue that we're trying to weed out while they're in the training. And because the reason I say attitude is because, you know, we really do demand excellence. And, and so it can be very frustrating when clients are complaining over this dust bunny that they left behind the toilet that you can't see, you know, so we have to really flesh out, any attitude issues. And so we do similar things. Um, and I think I learned this from Derek Christian, I want to say, but um, so one of the things that my trainer does is when she is having them clean the shower, which when the cleaning the shower, especially if it has soap scum is a physical job, you know, it's a, it's a lot of scrubbing. And so, She'll have them clean the shower and it can be absolutely perfect, but she'll say, oh, you missed a spot. You know, I need you to do the whole thing over. And I mean, it's a job. And so anyway, um, you know, the usually the trainees like I did, where did I miss it? And, you know, um, our trainer is making something up saying it's right there. Can't you see it? You need to do the whole thing over. And so then they'll do it over and then do it the third time. We'll do it to him again. And so anyway, after it's over, we'll let him in on, okay, you did a great job. You know, we're just trying to see, but sometimes that's enough to flesh out that, you know, if they do the, and just act disgusted that they're going to have to redo that big red flag. We don't want them. I mean, because the thing, the thing that Liz Trotter told me is that um, this is their honeymoon phase. And if they're going to show you the, you know, that little bit, then when they get two, three months out, it's not going to be, I'm disgusted. It's going to be that so-and-so is doing, you know, it. So on meltdown. Exactly. We want to flesh that out and, you know, hiding the money. I 
forgot about that. We used to actually do that way long ago, and maybe it's because we haven't had troubles with it, but, you know. Um, now, one thing we do is when we're with our, when the trainer is with the trainee, we are actually extra staff. So, I mean, it is total dedicated training. Um, there's a full team on the job and those two are just extra. So the trainer is with that trainee all the time. Uh, now we used to hide money, um, but it was, we still do that. But what it is, is if we have somebody say anything about something being missing, then we'll plant that money sporadically through, a, you know, like anybody that was on that job, we will plant the money. And I've learned the hard way. You have to write down the serial number before you plant it, take a picture of it, and then you have them go in and clean the home. And then we actually make a su surprise inspection at the very end. Because I, the one time I didn't write, the first time I did it, I know she sold the money, but she told me that was her, that was her, I have his, he had $5. Um, it was her $5. And there was no way for me to prove that it was not her $5. So I learned that I had to write down the serial number and take a picture of it. So I had the evidence to trap her. Wow. wow. That's, 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 that's crazy. That's crazy. That's that's crazy. That yeah. And I've had people tell me, okay, that's not legal. That's entrapment, whatever. Oh, I don't know if it is or it isn't, and I don't care because my job is to protect the client. And if somebody wants to take me to court over that, I mean, I don't think it's there's anything wrong with it. But uh, like I say, there's some things I'm going to, you know, maybe don't listen to me, but uh, because I'm going to take the aggressive road on protecting the client and protecting our employee when I have to. So, Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Want a free guide to secrets of simple growth automation? Head over to www.startsimplegrowth.com and click Get Started. We'll deliver our guide to your messenger. Plus, enter to win a free estimator chatbot. That's a really good point because I think that being able to successfully onboard employees and weed out eggs, uh, if I could throw more metaphors on this, I guess I would. But um, in order to get those good employees to work for you and everything, you have to kind of come out with a detailed quality process that you have. And like some of our other, uh, some of our other small business owners out there, like Mike, for example. I mean, Mike, what's a what's a technique that you do uh, when you first hire someone that that's kind of similar to loan? Obviously. You, completely different different line of work, but what's something that you do uh, to kind of weed out uh, bad eggs? Yeah, it, it's, it's very similar. I mean, one's on the inside, one's on the outside, but I, I think the, the basic skill set and ethics are, are, are almost, almost identical. And I think that's the more and more I, I've been working with the guys and girls in the home cleaning industry is that the parallels are, are really similar. So um, I'll answer that in a second, but if you are going to different conferences like SA5 coming up or these regional events, um, there, there seems to be a separation between the industries. And the thing I would, I would totally, totally advise is whether it's in the Facebook group or a live event, find somebody in a different industry. Um, very similar, like Martha's takes on things is um, some of the stuff that they're doing in other industries are, are just, they're so obvious, but you just, you don't think about it because in, in your industry or in your city, this is the way everybody does it. So that, that 
before I answer that, I think that that it should be a huge takeaway for everybody listening um, because we, I've learned a lot from the home cleaning industry in the last 12 to 24 months. Uh, but very similar to Martha, we bring them in. Uh, before, we're constantly interviewing every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We're building a, a basically a, a labor pool. So um, I use the analogy of a sports team. We're stacking the bench. So if the guys and the girls on the field aren't producing, uh, we have somebody to replace them. And in, in the lawn care industry, when you hit that spring spike, now we've got a qualified applicant pool. We, we list them in SA and an A, B, and C ranking, and then we got a glorified hiring list. But once we actually hire them, we bring them in um, and set the tone and make sure our onboarding process is, is on point. Uh, before, we used to take a really good qualified employee and just stick them on the truck if they had experience. And the worst thing that was the worst thing we did is because we presented our company as a paycheck. Well, the people we wanted to keep around wanted to buy into the culture and the values, very similar to what Martha's saying. Um, those are the people that when you're out selling your business as a place to work, you're selling the cultural fit. You're selling the lifestyle. You're not selling it as a paycheck. Like, hey, you're going to make 15 bucks an hour cleaning homes or cutting lawns. So the first thing we do is, is we start to indoctrinate them through a two or three step process. It, it onboards them to our culture, our values, kind of that North Star where your company is about. Uh, we also go to the extent, and most people in the lawn care industry don't do this, and I'm not sure about home cleaning, but uh, we actually have them physically sign a job contract and a job offer along with a non-disclosure, non-solicit. So basically, we don't care if you start your own lawn care company, uh, but you're not taking our customer list. But when we're done with that, we sign that as the company and the individual, and we actually hand that to them. So they leave our office with a packet of material saying, this is what your pay is, this is when you're getting paid, here's the position, and then we outline the rooms for advancement. Um, so that that's taken care of right off the bat. The next step is we do either video training on a, on a TV in the office or an iPad or an iPhone. Um, so we've gone out and actually made screenshot videos of uh, how to use service autopilot. So if we're bringing on a new admin, uh, similar to what Martha said, yeah, we are going to give them some leeway, um, but we're going to set them up to success, how to enter a lead in, how to enter a uh, compliment, a complaint. So we've got a standardized process which they work within, and then they have control over how the outcome is. Um, and then for the field staff, we did the same exact thing. So uh, we took a, about a $50 tripod, a wireless mic that was about 100 bucks, and um, a smartphone. It actually made videos of every process we did. Um, and I've been working with a lot of the home cleaning uh, companies that are doing the same exact thing, making their own training videos. So before we actually get them in the field and train them with uh, our head crew leader, similar like Martha's head trainer, um, we've got some standardized process and systems. Hopefully we've taught them through the videos. So as the business owner myself, very similar to Martha, I'm only working one to five hours a week in the business. I had to replicate myself through technology and my managers to make sure the business was still operating the way I wanted it to operate and it didn't start looking like the manager. So that was one of the big issues. And I'm curious what your take is, Martha, as we started to grow and uh, assuming as you added that extra branch, how did you make sure these standard quality process and systems that you're doing um, continued to look the way you wanted them? Because that was the biggest issue that I had until I started making videos that my business started looking like the way my manager ran it, not the way I started to actually build it and make it successful. So our, 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 um, our estimating was off because it was based on our process and system, not on the manager's process and system he evolved and put in. So I guess kind of, does that answer the question, Barrett? I guess I, I'm kind of curious yeah, Martha's no, take. Uh, and before Martha, before you ask it, we did have uh, one of our viewers was asking, um, was asking you how many employees you currently have. And, and Mike, you can answer it as well. And then you can uh, ask, answer Mike's question. I'm right at 20. 20? And Mike, how many did you have in the lawn care business? Uh, 15 to 18 in the summer, and then uh, probably somewhere between 25 and 30 um, in the winter. Our winter operations are a little bit bigger. We manage uh, 600 residential clients, 
um, plus about 70 commercial clients in the, the winter snow removal season in the up, up north. Um, so that equates out to about 180 acres of pavement that we plow um, literally at the drop of a dime in four hours. So it's, uh, it's all hands on deck. So the operation um, is a little bit bigger in the winter. Yeah, and along those lines, um, I tell people, because that's a common question, but what I tell them is, honestly, when I had three or four employees, my life was a living hell with employees. And now, because of systems, you know, like I say, you get the right people and they will run themselves. And, uh, you know, that's really an attraction to our company and them staying here is because the people that want to stay here are very independent, self-motivated um, individuals. And they like, we have a pretty hands-off style unless we have to have a hands-on style. So they like that and that, um, you know, most of the places they work have thumb on them all the time. And other than our quality scores and like our restrictions on how many days you can be absent and so forth. I mean, yeah, we have policies, but we're not going to micromanage you one little bit, even at our technician level. Okay. And it looks like Brian ring, if you want to read there off the screen there. Uh, yeah. He's so got an interesting uh, question. What's up, Brian? How you doing? What's up? Uh, what other than, uh, other than a means to an end, uh, Brian's wanting to know what your primary goal is for your company, Martha. As in, I guess he's asking, am I wanting to sell it? Am I wanting to be absentee manager owner? I, I don't know. I take it, uh, take it for whatever it's, yeah, take it and run with it. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at you like you're Brian and you can answer me. Um, and Brian, you can chime in if I, um, so, you know, honestly, when I started Quality Driven and it, we're getting so busy these days, um, so it's a good thing I don't have to be here very often um, at Dusting Divas, where I am right now. But I, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't have an answer to that because there was a point in time where I'm like, I'm selling that thing. But then now it you know, you get the right staff that run things. And, you know, my office manager is actually talking about moving to Georgia. Our office is in Oklahoma. And we're talking about, you can continue to run it in Georgia. And, uh, and you know, our processes are set up that that can actually happen. So I guess the answer to that is I'm not really sure. I guess if the right offer came in, I might, I might sell, but at this point in time, I could be absentee owner, come in once a month, maybe, and everything be fine. I mean, oh, we really do everything. You have employee partner as well. What's so that? He, he also floated the idea of employee partnership as well. Yeah. Um, for us, I haven't gone down that road, but yet, I haven't, I haven't, I mean, I don't have employee partnership, but I definitely have buy-in on a, a bonus system that is sort of a paper performance system. So I leave it up to the employees on, here's your base pay, 
and here's what you can you can make you know if you want to just do your base thing then fine and um i'll actually walk you all through the, the uh computer i'll show you a little bit around the office in that um we when a, a applicant comes in to interview and i'm impressed with that applicant just just like my days where i was interviewing people with college degrees and i was recruiting i am recruiting these highly qualified applicants that i'm interested in so i actually walk them around our office and i'm selling them on some things so i'm showing them all of our incentive programs and i you know i'm basically selling them on our culture while they're here so you know i'm i, I see a mindset of you know i don't need to do anything about paying these employees and that you know and in my mind you're going to get what you ask for and you you well at least for me i was going to say you have to get your head wrapped around i don't guess you have to but if you want things to be less painless then you need to get your head wrapped around that the better your culture is and that doesn't mean that it's all about giving them things but the better your culture is the more you're going to like being at your office. I actually like seeing my employees. I enjoy the people that work here and I feel like I better because I'm sending them into people's houses and trusting them a lot. So recruit, I mean, look at it as recruitment, marketing. Yeah, company culture is something, uh, I think all three of our companies, while I'm not an owner like the two of you are, where all three of our companies uh, do a really good job of preaching and practicing uh, company culture is something that's really effective. And if you want to learn more about company culture, uh, you can. T there is an episode of the Profit Roadmap with David Martinez where we talk about co company culture here at Service Autopilot and how how it can be beneficial in your business as well. And then obviously two great reference points here. Mike and Martha have some wonderful company culture that they employ. Uh, not only to their employees, but just uh, the way that they run their businesses as well. Um, why don't you, uh, Martha, why don't you go ahead and take us around the office? You said you were going to give us a little mini tour. I'm kind of excited now. Okay. All right. All right. I'm loving this. Well, this is a new one. There, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> okay. Uh, I forget. We have a, there's our smiley faces and here's our, that, let me see if I can get far enough back. That, whoop, 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 whoop. okay, that right there I'm showing you is our complaint process. So not only do I show the good things, but I show them how they can get in trouble. Um, this is our bonus wall. You can kind of see it. There we go. You can if kind you of can't see, see that, Martha, what's, uh, what's on that bonus wall? What's on those different uh, pictures? It says refer a diva and get a hundred dollars after six months of employment and good standing. Uh, convert a one-time clean for people in the cleaning business. They know what I mean. We get a lot of um, business where they hire us for, of course, a move out. You're not going to convert them unless they're moving across town, but um, we get, 
you know, for a party or for whatever reason they're having company, they hire us for one time. And so we have an incentive where the team that's in there doing the one time clean, if they convert them to recurring, meaning not necessarily the sales process, but because they wow them and do a great job, the person goes ahead and signs up for recurring. Then we give $50 a team. Even if it's a solo, I'm still giving the $50 because the solo earned that. Um, client wrote a five-star social review, $20 a team. And that's the limit of five a month. Um, good or excellent quality rating on your deep clean. You get $2 an hour more. Uh, so that is... Um, I'm going to go put this down and remember is that, that because the deep clean is so labor intensive. If I'm reading between the lines, or it is. And so I, I actually listened to my employees and I had a, um, had an employee who actually I ended up firing. She was not my favorite employee, but she still had a decent idea. And, uh, she came one day and said, you know, we hate doing those deep cleans and they're so hard and the people are so picky and we should get paid more for those. And so I just, you know, I listened to her and I said, all right, I'll think about it. And so I came back to her and I said, all right, I will pay you all more, but it, I have to get, I have to get the quality score back and it has to be a good or an excellent or you don't get paid more. And if they just don't answer, then you don't get that pay. And so anyway, now our office staff really does try to get that response back. Um, and it is, that has been a game changer for us because truly we did get more complaints with a deep clean because you know, the customer is paying a lot more than a regular cleaning and it's our first experience with them. Um, it's they're either doing a one time deep clean or it's their first cleaning for recurring. And we just did have more complaints. And again, the staff hated it because people complain and it was harder. So when we implemented the $2 an hour more for a deep clean, that really changed things. I mean, rarely, you almost hated to do a deep clean because chances were you were going to get a complaint. And now just that simple $2 an hour more, and it's only during those hours that they're on that cleaning, but that has drastically improved um, that first experience with us so it's worth the money hands down that's fantastic what a, what would be an example in the green industry mike that uh where where something like that could be implemented is there a particular job that uh is a little bit more um detail oriented i'll say um i, I don't know if it's like detail oriented but it would be more um geared to maybe like your your fall cleanups where it's more labor intensive. So I, I actually have to work in with, I don't know, probably close to hundred people in the cleaning industry. I, I have a whole new respect for what they do, but actually uh, we just moved a few months ago before Christmas here. And we actually had our first deep clean ever at this house. And um, I was actually working from the basement uh, where I'm at right now. Um, and I kind of popped up and watched and I started 
talking the cleaning lingo of weekly, bi-weekly clean, deep clean. Uh, it, 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 they thought I was a competition scoping them out. But uh, after I explained what I did with SA, they were like, oh, well, check it out. Like, you know, this is what we do. And they actually showed me um, their, their process of a deep clean. So um, the correlation would be more, more of a, just the detail of trying to get all the leaves up when it's wet, it's heavy, it's windy. Um, maybe on your hands and knees trying to get all the debris out from underneath the bushes. I mean, these guys and girls on this cleaning team were like right down to the baseboards. Uh, the house had just been painted. So we had sanded the walls. It was dust everywhere. I mean, it was, it, you know, it was well worth the five, 600 bucks or whatever it was. Um, and it was probably double or triple like the weekly clean price. Um, but it was, I mean, it was, it was pretty brutal. So I think that's just ingenious to incentivize them because that really is your first impression. Um, and very similar, like the, um, the quarterly events or the regional events where Jonathan and I and, and Martha has been in a few of them as well, um, where we're talking about uh, getting your two gateway services. So the, the services have the least resistance. So in the lawn care industry, that would be your weekly or your, your mowing uh, maybe, or your fertilization. And then once you uh, hit that, that lower um, entry with there's less barriers to rejection, like you get them in and they buy that service, then you're going to upsell them. Well, very similar, like that's deep clean. That that's, that's your first time they're letting you in the house. So if you nail that, the probability once they know, like, and trust you to sell that weekly or biweekly clean or monthly clean um, it would be a hell of a lot easier. And that's literally what happened. We were like, well, she did such a good job with all this dust. Um, she, she was a little bit more expensive, but we let her in the house and she killed it. So we, we obviously signed up for the, um, I think it was the biweekly clean, but I mean, it was, I think that's kind of the correlation between the two industries. Um, and then uh, you guys have some, also some, some things that I've seen in the industry that uh, you do like, fridge cleanouts or stove cleanings, different, different home cleaning businesses do that. So um, I've noticed that there's a, there's a good correlation of the ability to upsell different ancillary services at different times of the year, especially around the holiday season. I see wow. a lot of the cleaning companies selling that stuff. So it's, um, it, it's interesting. The, the perspective of the two industries are very similar. Yeah. And the only, the other one that I didn't talk about uh, for our incentives is we have a, a weekly productivity incentive that for us we don't have a problem with our our girls like to i say girls we do have some men um but primarily women but they like to get in and get out and i just never have to put my thumb on them for milking the clock so that's not an issue for me or else i'd probably word it differently so I don't have to say labor percentage and all of that to them because that's harder for them to understand. And again, they don't have a problem with, um, if anything, I have to watch them getting out too early. So um, our productivity bonus, I say you, you generate X number of revenue a week and your quality score is above I think it's a 3.65 then they get an extra $40 a week on that and um, and I run the quality scores and I actually have a tracking sheet they have to track they've got a bonus tracking sheet and I can post it in the service autopilot group but um, again I am not going to handhold I'm gonna you know we are not going to them going oh did you earn a bonus this week You've got to turn in that paper to us. And then if you turn in the paper saying that you earn the bonus and there's several different kinds of bonuses, then we're going to verify that 
but we're not going to go and look for it unless you tell us you got it. And then we verify and we can run reports in service autopilot and in quality driven and bam. That's interesting. That's something I, I honestly, you don't hear a lot of it. I know about yourself, Barrick, you've talked to hundreds of these people as well on the phone through the podcast and in the sales office there as well. But um, I, I really like the perspective and it, I'm assuming that is part of the reason why you're so successful with both branches is you're, you're creating accountability for those KPIs, those key performance indicators. And not only are you creating accountability, but they actually have to own them to, to be rewarded. So they're almost, if I make the, the inference that it, they're almost running their own little business within yours yeah. uh, to an extent. Yeah. So no, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. So yeah. is, is, that, is that what you think that, that was able to give you that ability to put out that second branch and, and not have to be micromanaging these people? The fact that you're allowing them almost to control their own destiny. And I, I think anybody listening, grab a pen and paper. These are, this is, this is a knowledge bomb right here. This is, this is how someone scales a business and, and is able to work on it, not in it on a daily basis, or in your case, live in another state. I mean, that's, that's insane. So I mean, that did not come immediately when we opened the second branch for the first, I want to say year and a half, I'm not going to lie, figuring it out. And we have evolved over time. And what I have found is the key for our culture and me, my culture, is that people need to be pretty autonomous and they need to function very independently and self-manage. So I give them the tools to self-manage and everything is very transparent here. Like you saw, not only do I tell you how you're going to get your bonuses, but I'm like blasting it on what's going to get you fired. So when you get a quality complaint, you know, you can go to that wall and you're on step one right there. And these are the steps that are left. And, you know, that isn't, that is not coming from a place of, you know, you did that and man, I can't wait to fire you. It is coming from a place of, I want you to be totally informed because these are your decisions. So you can decide to go down the pipeline or you can decide to watch your details and exit out of this flow sheet and that's really kind of the way we present it to them is that, you know, and even though we are all about quality, quality, when people get complaints here, it's not, it's not a tar and feathering. It's a, hey, all right, you know, I don't know, might have been a bad day, might have, you know, whatever. So here's the issue. Sign this. Let's move forward. And I kind of, you know, the philosophy is we're going to move forward unless you make us stop. So if you continue to not care about the details, then we're going to get a little more serious each time. And we are letting you know what the next step is every step of the way. And that's where I find people um, run into trouble is that. The biggest thing I see is that people might have policies, but they do not. They are very fair weather on their policies. If they're shorthanded, the policies go out the window. And if they if everything's good, well, I'm going to get rid of that person that I've been wanting to get rid of. 
And so when you do that, you have lost all trust whatsoever with your employees because there it's now a guessing game even though you have these written policies we don't know you know is she going to actually fire me if i get this many absences or is it now ah oh, you know what i don't really want to do that so right you know, awesome I really that happen yeah, great perspective. I know we're nearing the hour mark here, so I want to be respectful of everybody's time. And uh, Martha, is, it, is there anything closing thoughts? And obviously, we're going to have you back on as a certified advisor. Uh, Bear, obviously, appreciate you stepping in this week and, and moderating and uh, keeping this thing going. Um, but uh, is there any closing thoughts, Martha? Obviously, I want to um, give you a chance to let know, people know where they can reach you. Um, Martha, as a certified advisor, if you are a service autopilot uh, member and using SA, uh, under the help tab, there's a certified advisor tab. You can click on uh, Martha's mugshot there underneath it says something to the effect of learn more and you can connect with Martha via that channel. Um, but Martha, obviously appreciate your time. How else can people reach out to you if they're interested in uh, quality driven um, as well as any of your certified advisor uh, services that you're offering to the, the members or potential members that are, are watching this? Well, we have a, a quality driven Facebook group that's kind of like service autopilot, but we have, quality driven users and non-users in there. And we definitely talk quality. So you're welcome to join that. Or you can reach me at Martha at qualitydrivensoftware.com. Um, and yes, you can go in as a certified advisor and connect with me. A lot of times I steer them Mike's way or you know somebody else's um, because honestly, I don't do the day-to-day -day as much as I used to. So, uh, I definitely help people get set up with service autopilot and that kind of thing. But if it's automations, it's coming to you, Mike. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, you're more than welcome to reach out. I right, well, really appreciate Paul, it. Perla, Paul, Perla, you had a couple of questions that we weren't able to get to. So reach out to Martha via her email and she'll, uh, she'll get in touch with you. Yeah, or even drop below this thread here if you're not watching live. Um, myself and Martha and Barrow will be happy to cycle back and take a look at this post. And then uh, we bring back a next time with Martha, um, whether we answer them live in the post here. And then uh, if they're really good, we may recycle them again and, uh, you know, let everybody see them. So appreciate it. Uh, from New York, not so sunny, uh, Martha Woodard and uh, Bear in the On Care Millionaire Studios. Uh, until next week, we'll see you. We've got um, a couple couple guests coming up. i uh, be releasing here in the next few days. But uh, one of them is going to be a J-Man Monero, Jeremiah Monero. He's actually out of the real estate industry. Huge, huge um, following right now. So we're going to get some perspective from other industries, how we can use social media, content marketing to grow and drive a brand. Um, and I can't totally announce it yet, but we've got some other big hitters from SA4 that uh, may be joining us as well. So stay tuned. Um, just got a hit list of people to bring more value and uh, knowledge to the SA community. So uh, until next week, we'll see you then. See you next time, everybody. If you like this show, you might want to check out our resources at www.startsimplegrowth.com. While you're there, enter to win an estimator chatbot. Mike Callahan is available for private coaching.